Welcome to the One Speed MMA Podcast with yours truly, Justin Flying Smitty Smith and Carson giving his own nickname whenever he wants wood. I'll just go by my name if you don't mind. I do mind. That's Obviously, cool. that's why I try to give you a nickname every single time. I'll let, I'll let, I'll let the fan decide. <laughs> <laughs> Rod, what would you like to? Uh, what would you like to? We can do person? a. We can do a poll about it. We can have submissions, and then we'll do a top four poll if eventually we uh, people show interest in it. But no, I'm. I I was actually thinking it would be interesting if we uh, we did an episode where we reviewed hilarious uh, names because I thought it was stupid. I think that one chick called herself Rowdy as well. And I just think it's the worst career move in the world to name yourself Rowdy after Beck Rawlings. Was that what is that Rowdy? I believe so. You, you just see. can't We've do that after. Here. Let's see what she calls herself. I've got her sure dog profile up right here. Her nickname is Rowdy. Yes, Boo, you're that's that's a correct. bad move. It, I can agree with that, especially since it was like from what I understand bestowed on Ronda by Roddy Roddy Piper. Maybe it was the other way around. Maybe Beck Rowling got it because he's. Oh no, but she's Australian. No, I'm pretty sure that like Rhonda had conversation. It's just I think it's bad top to bottom for for I think she should probably change her nickname. I can agree with that, but maybe she's been around for longer. Who knows? Doesn't matter at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, just like all the other spiders, as far as are pit bulls, mm-hmm. or any of the Brazilians that have no uh, cowboy at yeah, this point, they just have no creativity when it comes to their nicknames. Do they not? There's a million pit bulls, there's a million cowboys, and there's a million spiders all out of Brazil. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a ton. I knew pit bull. I've heard pit bull. Um, or cyborgs. So you guys might notice something. <laughs> yeah, cyborg. There's only one. No, it, it wasn't cyborg. What other cyborg? I was just kidding. I was going to say, I think there's only one. And then I was thinking her, her ex-husband also had the same, the same name, and then I realized that that is untrue. Um so you might notice a different from la- uh, difference from last week. What? I'm here again. Oh, yeah. We, we did this. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome back we, to the cast, Carson. Well, I've, I've, I forgot that we are, we are doing a second take because of reverb, so I apologize. Um, still, and, and still, now, still, still, still there. Still. there. Um, welcome, Justin. Yeah. We missed you in Spain. We had the sweetheart Travis on being wrong about heavyweights. Um, but more than anything, I'm, I'm happy to be looking across at your, your cute mug. Yeah, man. It's good to be back. I was actually really, really excited to, uh, come on and podcast again. There's been a, a, a very eventful week. Um, now we'll have a, a couple weeks of not too much. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be talking MMA. I'm excited that people are actually listening and, and interacting with the podcast, and it makes it that much worth actually getting involved with this kind of thing. Pretty sad that Velasquez is being <laughs> being put on Twitter. Vela- yeah. Vela- or Vela- Velasquez, which was the other That's comment, okay. No, that's fine. Which was actually very funny because yeah, yeah. he's made of glass. Yes. But that person didn't listen to the cast, whereas Fred did and made a appropriate Twitter joke. Yes, he did. Yep, but Glass also is is actually pretty funny, and actually, it it just goes back to what I was saying to Travis. He speaks Russian. I'm trying to to learn how pronunciation, <laughs> and he is just true to heavyweight form, just mispronouncing Velasquez's name because of the only the only icon the heavyweight divisions ever had. That's not true. Well, if you would actually listen to the cast rather than just be on it, mm-hmm. he might actually you know learn a thing or two about MMA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of like, boxing. Yeah, instead of boxing and how the heavyweights are. This just great. in. Travis is a boxing fan. Apparently. He's watched all of three fights on the same card. And it makes him a fan. Um, speaking of cards in general, there was a card a couple days ago. Your fight? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah the your fight. <laughs> the, the world's best card. Right right below Bellator. What was that? Bellator 148. 149. One, 149. Um, thank you. I was wondering, how did you feel about the idea of, of that? The, the you are fight. fight. I <clears throat> I haven't been into wrestling for a long period of time. There's only two fights I actually watched from it. One was the uh, one was the weird match between Bisbing and Chelsonen. Grappling. Yeah, which it looked like they were just there knowing they were going to get paid no matter what. So they just went out there and, and did their thing. Well, the problem was the ring. It was It was a boxing ring, so it was super slippery. They couldn't get any hold on it. And so they thought that the, it was also going to create problems with the MMA match, which I didn't get a watch yet. Um, I like it as an idea. 
I think it's interesting. I think it helps everybody out as far as combat sports go for cross promotion. And I'm I'm glad that they're taking the bullet for it and that the UFC is not in Bellator to a certain extent with the Muay Thai fights and everything. Um, but it was very poorly done. Moving on from that, uh, the your fights. Which fights did you actually watch from that card? I watched the Roy Jones fight versus uh, Viron Phillips. I saw that. Um, so who's that? the Viron Phillips was an M- he trained MMA, correct? Is yeah, what and said. they got like some odd thousand uh, different applications for it, which I thought was really interesting. And, and I mean, it just goes to show like it's really hard to cross over either sport. Like where people are saying that. But do we know anything about his record or anything like that? That like, was his first professional fight. Well, I knew that, but like, okay. So I he no, was I've, an amateur and he trained. I have no idea. I have, his, as far as... Because they said he had trained MMA, but if that's his first professional fight, obviously he hadn't been probably training for very long. Let's see. I mean, he had a jab and he was he was trying to keep him at bay, but it didn't seem like his... I mean, his striking wasn't very crisp. They said that he had an MMA uh, uh, stance as compared to a boxing stance. Which is weird. Are. I thought he didn't. I thought he was standing super narrow. It was definitely interesting. He just didn't, I mean... Did it not look like his stance was super narrow, though? It was a lot wider than Roy Jones Jr.'s. Was it? Yeah. Because he just looked like he was tucking his chin. I, I didn't agree with that necessarily. I need to go back and watch it. Um, but I, I I actually did appreciate that, though. And that's the thing that I, I liked about this. the idea of this, of this uh, card is it did bring me over to boxing and make me appreciate it for especially after the Bisbing Sun and when it was like <laughs> two people that you know and love you hate what they did but two people you don't know at all and it was actually more you interesting appreciate what mm. they actually yeah Roy Jones Jr. I, kn- I I knew I didn't expect it to end so quickly I mean he just he stepped into that right cross and he just crumpled and I mean, it shows you what power boxers have with those gigantic gloves. And I think sometimes we forget that boxers can knock each other out because they usually hug each other for twelve rounds. Well, and and precision. That precision oh, yeah. is solid. <laughs> it was funny to see uh, to hear uh, Rampage announced too. I didn't think he did very well. No, and I don't think any of them did. Jr. was pretty great. Jr. was. I mean, Jr. has been doing his whole life. JR That's what he is, does. Yeah, but, an actual announcer. But he doesn't. I mean, I don't think he knows enough across all disciplines to be able to comment on yeah. on all of it. But again, I think it's overall. I, I hope the UFC doesn't necessarily do it, but I think more things like that need to happen where they need to build combat sports up and not talk about boxing's better than UFC. UFC yeah. is better than Muay Thai. Muay Thai, like, because everybody's saying that UFC is going to re- or MMA, excuse me, is going to replace all those other disciplines in the Olympics. It never will, and it never should. They. I would like to see MMA in the Olympics. Maybe, <laughs> we, maybe we should have that as a topic for another day because I think we could have a discussion about that. Yeah, we can. Um, I'll, I'll probably base mine around I don't want to see that, really. I, I, I like it independent. The only reason I would like to see it is because it's a way, and obviously they'd have to work out contract negotiations and that, but it's almost like pride. Where Not you really. Can actually go they represent. do the boxing. Sorry, I didn't understand. I don't think it messes with your contract at all. If it's in the Olympics, because I mean boxing. Well, they're also professional. Are they allowed but Roy, professionals in to the, now? Roy Jones. They said Roy Jones got a silver medal when he did it. So I don't know. So my thing is this: like Pride, they definitely represented their countries. You had the Japanese, you had the American, you had the Brazilians, and it would be cool to see MMA fighters that wouldn't necessarily potentially fight in the UFC based on rankings and popularity and that kind of thing fight because they you know per country and i think that would be a really cool thing because you'd get matchups that you wouldn't necessarily see in the ufc and then you could get a crossover between bellator and and uh wsof and whatever else based on the countries that they were coming from and that's why i would like to see it not like okay um if that makes any sense. I, I was a little confused by it. Um, so you, you want to see like crossover in what sense? Like No, crossover. So where you want to see, you want to be able to see, like a platform where you can see mixed martial artists go up against each other, even if they're not like, so if you get to see, uh, um, we get to see the best Spanish fighter against the best, um, Holland fighter against the best American fighter. And obviously it's in a tournament fashion, but at the same time, it's people that might not face each other in the UFC that now have a, a chance, not based on rankings, based on how well they do in an actual fight, to get to the next 
fight, if that makes any sense. So you could actually see a Gegard Mousasi fight an Anderson Silva, or you could see him fight like a Chris Weidman or something like that, where they might not actually fight. Obviously, we have to depend on, on, on weight differences and different things like that. But you can actually see them cross over and, and fight different people that they would not fight based on rankings in the UFC. Does that make sense? It does, but I mean, I I, I don't really want to see it in 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 that platform because I think it would take away from the other sports at that point. I think first off, there's too many. Are you going to do all the way up to heavyweight for women too? Like it's just going to go along right along with the men's. Um, are how many does each country get a representative? That's two weeks that you would have to get that all everything figured out, and those guys take you know, bad hits during fights. I just don't see in those two weeks how you could do a, a whole tournament. And that, yeah, and you, that makes sense. You have, well, I mean, they do boxing, and if you can't compete, you don't go on. And it's rough, man. Like, that's... Well, you have to you have to plan around when your contract... The, I mean, for the UFC, you're getting paid. So, but at the same time, you can get sponsorships in the Olympics, which you can't get in the UFC. I mean, well, you can't you can't take your sponsorships on with you though, can you? Because you no, you, you represent just your country. Yeah. But a lot of those guys will pick up sponsorships that they wear to the press conferences and things like that. That's true. And I mean, it's it, it, it definitely a discussion for another day. I'd like to look at what they've done. We'll do some more research and get, yeah, and and get and actually, into it because obviously we 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 disagree on this, and it would be something that would be interesting to actually discuss with with further research. Um, getting back to this card though. Um, top to bottom, it, it wasn't a bad card. Um, the fight pass, I definitely, I started watching the first fight, didn't really like it, realized all of them went to decision. Um, I had actually, I was on a plane when most of these went down um, and decided not to watch them. And I sounds like I didn't miss much. It sounds like most of these were just meh fights. I was watching March Madness and uh, then on my way to get you from the airport, so... I didn't. I didn't really watch any of them. I did watch most of the other ones as I was waiting because I had my I had my Fox Sports One Go app, mm-hmm. my Fox Go app. So mm-hmm. I did see the the submission by Dan Hooker, and he looked really, really good. Alan Joban with his his knockout looked absolutely amazing. Um, clipped him and 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 just took him out. I'd really like to see him get a step up in competition. Um, he's looked really, really good his last couple of fights, but they've kind of been spoon feeding him. So I'd like to see him get a step up in competition. Um, Beck Rawlings versus Seo Ham was a scrap, but it was non-technical and it was kind of back and forth. I mean, it could have been a split decision, I think, but Beck Rawlings definitely, um, started to dominate towards the end. And so nothing really towards, you know, pointing out. And then James Tahuna, which I did not expect. We that's when we started watching. No, that was still mm-hmm. on my. Yeah, no, I I only pretty much saw because we went and got Seven uh, Elevens yeah. and pizza. I pretty much only saw the like the part of that one fight, and then we went and got food, and then I saw the co-main in the main. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, no, we did miss. I mean, we watched him, but the one was a TKO, and I don't remember it. But James Tahuna, 56-second knockout, I didn't expect it. I'm pretty sure anyone that put, put money on Steve Boss won because James Tahuna is definitely a, a better-known fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, but good for Steve Boss for coming in there and, and doing his job and, and done, <laughs> throwing a great right cross and knocking him out in, in 52 seconds. So, um, But let's get into the Neil Magny, uh, Hector Lombard. What were your thoughts was awesome. on this? Fight was way awesome. Um, I think it kind of played out how we thought, you know. Uh, well, I actually thought if <clears throat> if it would have the first round, I if I would have known that Neil Magny was going to get knocked down, I would have said, "Oh yeah, well, Hector Lombard wins that fight." Um, Weather's well, a storm, and then Lombard, Lombard at the end of the first, when he just when they both got up, just flat on his feet, standing right in front of him in the center of the octagon, and and I mean he still had a little bit more output, but the the it was pretty much over at that point. He knocked him down again in the second, which was very interesting. Um, they definitely, I think, could have called that fight in the first. I think Hector Lombard obviously <clears throat> was going for that finish. Having that much muscle mass by anyone, and I, I think kind of this is what happened with Conor McGregor because he wasn't used to having that much muscle mass at 170. You have to feed your muscles. And when you have that adrenaline dump of thinking you're going to win, and I mean... Glyson Tebow was one of those people that could usually make it three to five rounds, even though he was huge. But Hector Lombard, 
Um, Yoel Romero hasn't really shown a gigantic gas tank. Brock Lesnar never had to go three to five rounds. Um, I, I posted on Twitter like, yeah, if you have that big of muscles, it's really hard not to gas. And I had several people not agree with me, but they really couldn't prove the only the people that were brought up were two heavyweights that weren't pure muscle. Um, and then the third one was Brock Lesnar. And the fact was, is he just he never had to go out of the, the second round. So, I mean, it never really showed. And if you watch him against Shane Carwin, it looked like he started to gas. And if you looked at him versus Cain Velasquez, it also looked like he started to gas. Those it's just like soccer players. Soccer players don't benefit from being gigantic, muscular, you know, phenoms. They have to run 14 miles a game. It's better if they're just fit and they're actually can and just run and run and run. Whereas I believe the MMA fighters are the same. I believe that dropping weight actually helps with cardio to a certain extent. Whereas, you know, fighting a weight such as Connor or Hector Lombard having to drop down to that weight and still being that muscular is hard for them to not gas because their muscles require so much, so many nutrients and so much, just so much that it's difficult for them to actually, you know, last that long. Yeah. And so when, I mean, he's on the ground and just throwing bombs, one kudos to Neil Magny for, for getting up after those because Lombard's big. Um, And then he, and then he looked good from there, you know, like, and that's, he, uh, I would, I would highly recommend him not get, uh, what was it? A, was it a cross that he got hit with, or was it a just a jab no, that he initially got knocked down with? I believe it was a cross, and then he got thrown around after that. I would highly recommend not getting that from a T Rex in the future, and like <laughs> get, just get pummeled, especially because the people are going to be a lot longer that you fight going forward. Um, I'm glad he beat Hector Lombard. I'm not the biggest Hector Lombard fan. I mean, if he, I mean, I, if it's anything like Anderson Silva, they he had to have been tested roughly eight, eight times. times. Yeah since he got pinged but um <clears throat> why does it keep doing that um but yeah if uh if he doesn't get if he doesn't piss hot again i don't know how he where he is like getting all this this muscle mass from i mean once you once you gain it i mean it might be easier to actually keep but yeah i definitely agree with you it's it's definitely interesting do you think they should have called it in the first you think he made the right decision by not calling it in the first I don't know what verbally was being said. I would have visually, I would have called it. Visual, yeah, and that's a solid point. He could have been asking, you know, give some kind of sign that you're still here, and he could have been saying, you know, it's like the, the audio. It's like the Czech Congo Pat Barry one, though. I'm glad that they didn't. Um, I love fights like that. It sucks when people get put through the the meat grinder like that, and they gotta for our entertainment, they've gotta maybe lose a couple fights off their career. Uh, I mean, as a fan, though, I, I do like seeing it in the moment. Going back, I, I, I feel for Neil Magny, but then they probably could have called it in the second, right? Um, right when, he flat- second. when he flat- when he flattened out Hector Lombard. Oh yeah, no. When he could- there was a hundred unanswered punches. Yeah, mm-hmm. they definitely could have called it. So I mean, there's two that they could have, and then they eventually did in in the third, right? Is that right? Yeah, it finished in the he third. Finished in the third. Also, kudos to Lombard for for still trying to eke it out in the third too i mean i I can only imagine he was exhausted because he looked exhausted after the first well the hard part is is when you're just laying on your stomach and taking punches to the the head and not really trying to move or or twist or anything he was waiting for that ref to call the fight and that ref did a terrible job of calling the fight i mean he was just not defending himself he was still conscious but he was done um yeah i mean could have got called or should have got called earlier but i mean we got a great fight out of it it was a fight of the night yep hands down 100 percent. unless you're travis and then the uh, main event was the uh, fight of the night how much weight do you think the fighters lose in an average match it depends jordan that's uh jordan coming from zcast um for people that will be listening later it depends on your actual um does you mean cutting or like how much how much weight would you lose while fighting like during sweating and no i i think he's talking physical about, exhaustion you're talking about cutting weight for the weigh-ins jordan right yeah that if we're referring to that and that's what we'll move forward with it, one of those things is i would say what 20 pounds they've changed mm-hmm. their ivs now so that obviously changes mm-hmm. a lot of things we actually did an entire episode on weight cutting jordan that you can go back it's called the the weight cutting episode um where we talk can be about, hard to find <laughs> no it's not no i know i'm just kidding because it it's, it's, it's very straightforward um, but no, it's roughly probably around 20 pounds. Um, I, I think Connor 
probably when he went in that 170, he was actually probably, I, I think that's probably what he cuts down from to 145 usually too. I don't think he actually bulked up too much no, for I that he, fight. I think he did. So what, 15 pounds then? Um, you think I, you, I think it should, well, no, it used to be 20. Went in at 168. To, yeah, it used to easily be 20 pounds that they would cut. Um, now with IVs, I think it's a little bit less. Um, you would see fighters go from almost 200 to 155 in a month period. It's pretty um, much all water weight, Jord. It's funny because I, J- Justin's cousin actually, and I think we've told this story before on the podcast, but we the the uh, gym that I used to train at, it was in between two pizza places and a subway. Yeah. And Justin's cousin Jordan was cutting weight and <laughs> had some choice words for our instructor. He was like, who the hell puts an MMA gym between two pizza places. It was a little skeezers and then also uh, one man band or something like that and a subway. And he's just sitting there on a treadmill in a sweatsuit, just being tortured. Cause all you can, it's literally the same building. It's like the, on the back of a pizza place. So two, it's torture. Yeah. Two guys, a girl in a pizza place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Torture. That was the girl, Aldo and Jordan. Were, they? <laughs> were the guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they, they definitely cut quite a bit of weight. It's, they've changed some things up quite a bit. And we, we covered that in the, the other podcast. Um, last fight, of course, we had Frank Mir, Mark Hunt. Um, I think I was one of the people that believed if, if, Mark, if uh, Frank Mir could get out of the first round, he would do great. Um, however, after seeing how he actually showed up looking and entering the ring, if I would have watched the uh, weigh-ins, I would have said that he wouldn't make it out of the first round. He, he doesn't look physically athletic like he used to. No. Well, no. No. Um, I mean, he can probably still run circles around me, but he didn't look like the same Frank Mir. I, I mean... I respect them both as pr- practitioners. I I don't know if either of them will ever make a run again for the title. Um, Brian Stan called for Frank Mir's retirement. He said that he needed to retire and just stick to commentary. The hard part is, is Frank Mir is probably one of the best known because he's been around for so long and most liked fighters. And that, because of fighting Brock Lesnar. And fighting Brock Lesnar, exactly. And beating Brock Lesnar. But he needs... I think he needs to be done. I'm not one of those guys. I mean, Frank Mir could easily be the next Dan Severin that just continues to fight for forever. Well, why not? Why not do? Why don't him and I mean, Roy Nelson still has I mean, maybe a few more miles, but why don't him and Roy do the Eddie Bravo? I mean, I think they could bring like a lot of a lot of people to those jujitsu cards. Pass, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I would love to see Roy Nelson and, and Frank Mir fight an only jujitsu match. That'd be cool. I don't know if Frank. Yeah, that's a really solid point because they're both black belts. A lot of people forget Frank Mir was almost a hundred percent jujitsu when he first entered the UFC, and he crushed everybody because the. There was no answer for it in the heavyweight division because exactly. they're all wrestlers. They wanted to take him down, so they did, and he's like, "Great." Yeah, <laughs> this is phenomenal. I mean, that was the first time I'd ever seen an Americana. That was the first time, like... Breaking Nogueira's arm? Breaking Nogueira's arm. I actually didn't see that fight. I don't oh. know what I was doing, but I actually missed that one. Um, but Frank er, Frank Mir loses. First round, TKO, the walk-off. I, at first, thought it I, was a little too soon for a stoppage, and then after the replays, it definitely solidified that. I'm not one for saying that he should walk away. Uh, I mean, walk away when you want. Like it's your like. I don't think anybody should retire if if they're not ready to, because there's so much psychology that goes into sports and things like that. And I I, I don't know. Like it's I'm not in, I'm not for imposition of will and people trying to influence other people. As far as Frank Mir goes, I would like to see him probably retire because of the problems that he's had with prescription drugs in the past. Maybe he's beat it. I mean, per him, he he beat it, and that's great. But I mean the who was i talking to uh, or not talking i was listening to they were talking about when you get done with fights you go into such like a lull because all you think about that whole time is just that fight that fight that fight and then you go out there and there's all these people and then like you're doing all these media things and then the second it's over you're still an athlete you're still a professional athlete you're still doing it the second it's over and like the post fight press conference dies down for the majority people stop talking to you until your next fight starts going and so you just have this deflation where one you're not preparing for anything anymore and nobody cares and especially when it goes into retirement like if that happens to him too where he's had these these issues before after his motorcycle accident i'd get nervous that he might relapse if he if he's not going to and I mean, overall, I don't know. Everything top to bottom, I think the Frank Mir situation needs to be handled delicately. Yeah, and I agree with that. You need something to fight for to keep your, your senses about you and to keep 
your mind in the right place, and I I it, understand that. It's weird though because it could it could affect him either way, mm-hmm. whether he stays in or yeah. if he leaves. Because being in pain all of the time or getting knocked out and not being able to eat food is going to cause issues, or, or just having too much free time. Mm-hmm. And he's not one of those guys that you hear about. I mean, I guess he can do announcing and stuff for the UFC. He's very smart. Yeah. Oh, he's a super smart dude, but he's not one of those guys that you hear that's doing extracurricular activities to make sure that he has a job after MMA. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not a Chad Mendez. He's not a, you know, Conor McGregor, you know, looking at movies and different things like that, or Ronda Rousey, you know, Uriah Fabers that are trying to get other things going on. TJ Dillashaw just started a woodworking business with his buddies. Like, everyone, the younger generation of UFC fighters tend to know that they're only going to be able to fight till you know 35 36 when they're you know started at 25 and trying to start you know another career when they're done and frank Mir doesn't seem to really be there i don't think mark hunt's really there like it that older generation seems <laughs> to have missed it how'd you feel about the <laughs> the him trolling everybody after his on his post fight when he was like uh Oh uh, my gosh! You just said it, Mark, Mark Hunt. Hunt. I didn't see what he <laughs> it's did. Like when he was told everybody that they were going to have the after party and that it was only going to cost him two hundred dollars a ticket. <laughs> it was like three to four dollars or something like that. And everybody, like there was like this like gasp like in the cl- and he's like, no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's like, pretty funny. No, I missed that. It's just a two hundred dollar entry. We'll see you out there. I've been trying to catch up. I've been listening to the MMA hour and trying to get to Chelsea and, and the fighter and the kid and. You know, missing two weeks of that is is rough, especially because the MMA hour is four hours long. Yeah, I can't I can't ever do it. I I only I'll go and listen to whatever specific interview I think's interesting, and I'm really happy they break it up the way that they do because I I can't keep up on the MMA hour. Ariel does too on, much. I put it yeah four hours every Monday. I put it on at work and just listen to it like that. That's one of the only ones. By Wednesday, I'm on a podcast. Because, really? Yeah. Well, because I do the MMA hour. You need sword and scale. I do. Well, I mean, MMA podcast. Mm. I got plenty of other podcasts. I do The Fighter and the Kid, and those are all done. I don't really do any of them. I mean, I do Chell Sonnen, which his is kind of MMA. He he doesn't really focus on MMA. He, he kind of does everything. Joe Rogan, occasionally when something's interesting, but I even, like, a lot of his isn't even just MMA. I don't know if I listen to a, like just an MMA podcast. There aren't really a ton out there, actually, now that I think of it, of well, people in the industry. Well, we've got a lot of people on Twitter that no, the same thing, but... In the industry, like the people that are coming out, like Joe Rogan's actually in it, But Brandon Schaub. Big John McCarthy's got his, Jens Pulver just came out with one. Um, there's a lot of different people. And they, they just focus on MMA and MMA commentary? Or do they talk about... Like, I don't know, I haven't listened to them yet, but yeah, no, Joe Rogan has really crazy guests. Um, some of them are, are MMA related. Some of them are, you know, his drug dealers. Well, I, I love it like his because they just talk so openly about everything. And it, it is just like a con- we have three hours. We have no agenda. We're going to we're going to talk about your book or your whatever you're putting out. Yep. And we're going to get to know each other. I really like that format. But I don't it's rough because I don't have like it's literally like 20 hours a week that you have to listen to like Joe Rogan podcasts. Yeah, no. And that's well, that's a hard part, too, with it that. MMA hour. I started listening to it a lot before we started doing this. Uh-huh. And then afterwards, I've never gone back and listened to really old episodes. Um, and a lot of times he'll do um, You Think You Know or whatever it is where he does the Y'all must have forgot. That's what it is. Where he does the past interviews that he redoes over again. And I usually skip through those because they're old interviews. So I try, you know, that's that's 30 minutes that I can skip so I can actually get to the, the more current interviews. Um, I, uh, did you watch the Rory McDonald one in MMA Hour, or did you watch no, the Hall at Home one today? I, I was listening to the Rory McDonald one in the car before you got here. Um, very interesting, him talking about free agency. Yeah. What did you think about that? Um, I would actually also like to do that as one of the topics for a later episode, but I thought it was very interesting, um, especially because it's more fighters need to be vocal about it. And one, so it's not demonizing the UFC because he said it. He's like, we're not far off. We're not, mm. we're not talking. I'm not talking like we're not, they're not trying to pay me 2020 and I'm not asking for 200, 200. Um, he's like, we're not far off. We just couldn't come to agreement. And if we don't, it's not a big deal. I'll move on. And the UFC, I think it needs to be seen by fans that it's not that big of a deal to them, but there is, there is workings that like, I don't know. I just think it's better publicized because it, one, it kind of looks like the UFC is getting a bad rap right now. But I also think they need to acknowledge that there are th- there's a lot of threatening of fighters leaving, which they know. You know, mm-hmm. they're not idiots. 
Um, but Roy McDonald also knows that he can get a lot more pay if he just fight if he just pushes for it. Matt Mitrione left because he was going to get more money. I think what the, the UFC does with a lot of fighters is promises them less guaranteed money and higher amounts if they either are a number one contender or win a a title. That's what they did with Benson Henderson. I'm guessing with Matt Mitrione, obviously a lot of them can't discuss their contracts, but I'm guessing that's. They can though, because they release a lot of it. It has to be public, because they're. That's why, like, we get all of their their pay. But if they don't sign it, hmm. you know what I mean. If they don't sign the contract, then you, uh, then they, there's no reason for them to release it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they could talk about it openly afterwards, but some of them choose not to. Uh, Matt Mitrioni's new contract with Bellator is only four fights. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't try and go back to the, the UFC if he goes on a four fight win streak in Bellator, which is completely plausible. Um, now that Kimo Slice is a one-year suspension, you know, no, there's less people that can try and get a, a money fight from Kimbo Slice. Um, for those that may not know, it's been all over that he is tested positive for... Methadone. No, 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 that was Ken Shamrock. Method. Oh, I thought it was Kimbo. It was uh, Androstein and Anderolistin, however it's pronounced. How anyway. dare he? But both Everyone of them... knows you don't take Androstein. Yeah. Everybody knows Stein, that. Stein. <laughs> Do you know? I also pronounce it Igor. Um, yeah. So anyway, both. But the interesting thing is they both tested positive for the same steroid, which a lot of time it's not. It wasn't Dross. Dros, oh, I'm gonna stop. Anyway, um, but yeah, no. As you just you should continue. <laughs> Hydrolystolin. This is. It sounds like a steroid from Game of Thrones that yeah. you're trying to say, yeah. and it probably has four yeah. different names. He didn't. He didn't test positive for the Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> he uh, tested positive for the. Uh, That's what we should start doing. Whoever makes the steroid famous, we should start naming it after them. Yeah, the Ken That's Shamrock. a genius idea. It makes it easier to pronounce. Yeah. He tested positive for the Ken Shamrock. Yeah, I mean, you know, like yes. And if you get a if you get a Diaz, you just ping for high metabolites and weed. Yeah. He had a ton yes, of man. THC in his system. He pinged for the Diaz. Yeah, he got a Diaz. <laughs> that was a great idea. He got a Diaz twice over. The, the size of the Diaz was ah, two times he, the normal size. He got the spider. The which spider. Is just Viagra. Viagra. Uh, but uh, what was it? Ta- Taiwanese Viagra or Vietnamese? I don't know. What's the, the Yoel the, Romero? He had a weird one. Yeah, his was super bizarre too. Yoel, um, the Yoel. Speaking of this as well, Tim Means, apparently, I think they're dropping that. Really? It, yeah, his case. Um, however, let's get into one actually kind of scary thing, which is Ken Shamrock testing positive for methadone, which is basically testing positive for Shamrock. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was right around St. Patty's day. So, you know, I just want people to be calling me in my job asking if we cover Shamrock replacement therapy or whatever. (laughs) Shamrock. No, it's TRT. His stuff's a little bit higher. Unless it's a methadone, which... Methadone's a therapy. Unless you go in... uh, Yeah, rehab therapy. Yeah, exactly. That's what I get calls for. Oof. I'm an appeal specialist at an insurance company is what happens. Ouch. Not that often, but I just want somebody to say Shamrock. (laughs) Shamrock. Let's make that a... Let's make that... See, Jordan wants it. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Um, Um, Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, with that... Um, super sad. Obviously, Bellator does almost. I mean, supposedly they were testing them beforehand, but I don't believe that Bellator's testing is very good. This kind of proves it. I think a lot of fighters that are using, you're going to see a a Brazilian influx. I think in Bellator, um, maybe the Russians will stay there as well. Russians are getting in trouble for not testing for the Olympics or not having good enough <laughs> testing for the Olympics. Um, they've actually been threatened that they're going to leave them out of the Olympics if they don't do better testing. So maybe that's why there's so it's many Russians in Russia, Russia though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's is a it? solid point. Maybe it's in the future, but yeah, no, the Winter no, Olympics I, is No, in, that, that's is part in, of the problem is I know that they're, they're threatening to walk, and I think a certain sport ha- is not eligible at this point, but it's in Russia. They're not, they're not walking. Oh, so they're going to remove the Olympics from Russia? No, there's no time for that. There's that's an impossibility. They can, they can come back to the 2002 Olympics here in Salt Lake City, where we still have the infrastructure, and not we were one the of the w- only ones that gained money on the Olympic Games. Yeah, Winter Olympic Games, not the <laughs> summer. And they're going to do Summer Olympics in in Russia, Segovia, or whatever. Yeah, it is. they just did the Winter ones um, two years ago. In uh, starts with an S. I'll look it up, but it, no, yeah, they did that, and then, uh, yeah, so this one is it's the Russian, the Russian Summer Olympics. I didn't know they were doing it. I thought they were going to do that. I mean, 
it's interesting because I just figured it would be the Winter Olympics, and that's that's uh, ignorance on my part that I just would figure that they would be doing the Winter Olympics. This is gonna piss me off so bad. I have to figure this out. So yeah, no, Bellator definitely needs to stick, step up their game. Um, it was very Sochi. Sochi. No, that's in Russia. That's what I just said. It, but it was just in Sochi, or it's going to be in Sochi. No, it was in Sochi in 2014. Yeah, so that's done. Yeah, that was in Russia. Yes, and now they're saying that the Russians won't be able to come to the next Olympics if they don't. It's in Russia again. The Summer Olympics is in Russia. Where? Hold on, Russia. They ne- they don't ever do it in the same country. They twice. just did. No, they didn't. Yeah, it's Brazil. Yeah, <laughs> same same diff. They're still not going to get tested. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, that's completely well, and that's that's, that's maybe what I was thinking accurate. of because they just did the they did the World Cup in Brazil and now they're doing the, the Olympics, Olympics in Brazil, Brazil and that's why. Oh. I, but still, I don't know what that was. <laughs> Some kind of cup. But um, anyways, uh, Russians and Brazilians, they're both sketch. The Russians were the. I love the bigger, stronger, faster, where they talk about the Russians starting it, and then we made a mad dash to uh, compete, <laughs> and that's where steroids got its start, was in the Olympics. Yeah, Sarapova, but she didn't get busted for steroids. She got busted for, like, a... Oh, I was talking about weight, like, from bigger, stronger, no, no, faster. No, like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but I'm just think, thinking about all the people. And it's always interesting to me when other people, especially in, like, professional biking, come out and are like, you just can't do that kind of stuff. When, like, professional biking, like, Tour de France, people are supposed to be, like, the worst at any kind of doping. Anyway. It's really interesting to hear Lance Armstrong talk about it on Joe Rogan's podcast. I, I need to check that out. I didn't hear it's it. It's pretty interesting. Because he's like, I don't condone it. I was wrong. But it's pretty interesting. I mean, I he's like, I had to do it or we wouldn't be able to compete. And all of our sponsorships would have pulled out. And it's interesting to the... Psychology behind it. Well, not even that. Just the atmosphere that's presented to them and, and the options that they have. I wrote an... Um, ESPN, I don't know if they still do, but ESPN, the, uh, the magazine, they actually had, used to have an article that was like um, by an anonymous player in certain sports. And I read one on professional biking, and he was trying to break into the Tour de France. And he uh, he was basically right to where he could start winning. But the only way he could actually start winning was to start doping just like everyone else did. And he was like, everybody in the top tier of biking is using some kind of performance-enhancing drug. And, I mean, it's kind of showing and proving that correct. If it's not a collision sport, I say do it. I have no problem with it. Yeah. And once again, we've discussed this based on, phys- you know, the physicality. I mean, Kimbo Slice could have killed Data 5000. I mean, not only because Data 5000 was in bad shape, but, but because he should have had a higher output based on the performance-enhancing drugs that he was using. So pretty much anything collision that could be deemed like a violent sport, like football or combat sports, I would hockey, like you shouldn't do steroids. Other than that, like go for it. I could not care less if Olympian or like, yeah, Olympians or bicyclists, cyclists, whatever the hell they're called. If they do it, I just couldn't, I couldn't care less. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, you know, something we've discussed before, and I'm sure it's something we'll discuss in the future. Never again. That was it. But let's get, That was the last note on it ever. Let's get into the discussion we wanted to have this week, which is on women's divisions of MMA. It, it was one that I kind of wanted to talk on because I was kind of thinking about personally, like, why I was intriguing to me is, one, it's really interesting that no other sport and i understand why like i'm not holding them accountable but i i think it's interesting that combat sports really have kind of been on the forefront of um like making sure that women's is right along equal to men's um and as far as like cuz you can't really put like the WNBA right next to the NBA I don't know why not, but I just feel like, I don't know, they are just different products. But you could put the lingerie league right next to the NFL. <laughs> MTV doesn't have rights to the NFL. Oh, sell a point. Or the MTV XFL. too, Or XFL anymore. Well, I mean, and that's, I don't know, overall, what are, what's your, your opinion on uh, state of women's MMA? Well, let's, before we get into that, let's get into the history of women's MMA, let's do shall it. we? So I, I actually found a sweet article on SureDog. Um, it talks a lot about this up until about 2013, and, and then we'll kind of take over from there. But um, so women's fighting first kind of took place kind of in back back streets and back alleys and stuff. But it was actually inducted into the the Olympics, speaking of the Olympics, in 1904. 
Um, that's when women were actually allowed to MMA. Or are you talking combat sports? Uh, we're talking combat sports. Okay. Um, like I was professional, say, professional combat sports, okay. like regulated combat sports. Um, in 1904, and then obviously two world wars kind of caused some issues. And then around 1995, so a little bit after the UFC had launched, um, they started to actually do Vale Toro um, type of women's MMA, mostly out in Japan. Um, and so some of these um, happened, especially when women's professional wrestling disbanded. Apparently, there was all kinds of weird political strife at the time. Um, and so a lot of different type of people started to um, create different Japanese um, promotions. And they actually had one of the first events was a 12-woman one-night one of the first, sorry, legitimate events was a 12-woman one-night MMA tournament that took place and the one in 2000, <clears throat> and the winner actually won $100,000. Do you know who the winner was? Probably. When was it? What year? 2000. You'll never guess. Um, and this name very much surprised me. She's still fighting today. She's still fighting today. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, it's not Gina Carano because she's not fighting. Nope. Uh, not Cyborg. Nope. Who is it? Uh, Cohen. Merlos Cohen. Wow. Yeah. So I don't she, know who she is. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> the wow is not like, oh my gosh, she's still going? She's I don't in, know who she's she is. She's an Invicta. Okay. Um, she was one of the Strike Force fighters. I think when they, it first launched into the UFC, she was one of the, the like top only five, six what fighters was weight class? brought in. 135 was a bantam? Um, this was 135. She actually won uh, against a six foot one, 230 AKA pound Japanese fighter. Eight. Yeah. By how how big was bar. she? Six one, two hundred and thirty pounds. Jeez. And she beat her by armbar. She was only nineteen years old at the time. Yeesh. Yep. And so after that, um, they had remix, Smack Girl, a whole bunch of different ones. And then Smack Girl? Yeah, Smack Girl. The post remix landscape. Yeah, they gotta get away from that name. Yeah. Um dominated until close to October two thousand eight, <laughs> interestingly enough. Yao Ming. <laughs> yeah. Except Yao Ming's what, like six seven, Jordan? Yao Ming is 7'2". Okay, then I, <laughs> I was way off. Um, so anyway, when it actually started to take place is when Elite XC actually started to put women in there. And let's see what I got here. Hook no, sh- um, no, no, no. Yao Ming is 7'6". Oh, jeez. <laughs> I had to look that up. Sorry, go ahead. So anyway, so after that, basically, um, Hook and Shoot became one of the sports most reliable. Um, you can actually look at some of these women if you go back to the Sure Dog. Um, sure dog accounts or whatever their profiles and go back a lot of them are actually involved in hook and shoot um which is super interesting and then um bodog actually came out and do you remember all the controversy about bodog Mm-mm. so before the tough women competition bodog actually had a exact kind of con contest where they put a bunch of women in a, in a house like tough and then had them fight for a contractor like a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was bodog went bankrupt at the same time that they were all in this house and none of them actually got paid so most of them went into this house <laughs> didn't have enough like and i would have done squatters do. rights i'd have stayed there until and i'm like this is my house yeah no it was you can't kick me out it was super bad news so when they when tough 20 actually came out where they're going to do all women a lot of them were like we don't know if we want to do this because last time we got talked into this, it ended up being just a complete shit show. And a lot of us ended up losing a lot of money because we didn't get paid for being there. And we didn't have a contract when we got out of the house. So we really, it was a lose, lose situation for all of us. Um, so it really started to pick up when elite XC went out of business after the freaking Kimbo slice, um, Seth Petrezzi or Petrezzi or whatever. I'm really good with names today. Still a little jet lagged. Um, Anyway, so when they went out of business and Strikeforce bought them, Gina Carino, Carano was actually part of that Elite XC purchase. Um, Jordan, who did Gina Carano play in in the new Dead, in Deadpool? Yeah, in Deadpool. Please answer. Go ahead. Sorry. So anyway, um, that's when it actually started to kind of legitimize it. But at this time, women's MMA was still, I think, two rounds at three minutes apiece. So it wasn't until they got into the UFC that they actually extended women's MMA to a five-round or a, a three, three five-minute rounds. So even then, they, they still protected them. I actually remember I looked it up. In 2010, I watched Misha Tate win a one-night tournament over Girl Fight Monster, one of the <laughs> yeah, Japanese fighters. She was in Utah. We watched that yeah, for no, fight no, in no, Utah. Was, yeah, we did watch her fight in Utah, but yeah. this was in Arizona. Um. And so she actually ended up winning this tournament, and that was the first time I'd actually ever seen Misha Tate fight. But before that, 
Um, Gina Carano actually became the face of women's MMA. Um, One of the first crossovers. Yes. She was in The Fast and the Furious, which I did not know. Mm -hmm. She was also in American Gladiators, which I did know. She did, uh, what was it, something Wire? Something Haywire. Haywire. Which I never watched. Me either. I like the the commercial. She does the thing where she gets them into a triangle, and I remember that, and I was like, hey, (sighs) MMA. Yeah, so she she did really well. They said the biggest difference between her and Ronda Rousey is Ronda Rousey liked the spotlight, and Gina Carano didn't like doing interviews and different things like that. So she she likes acting, and she did really well that way, but she didn't like the actual like spotlight. And then, of course, she got crushed by Chris Cyborg, absolutely dismantled um, in about 2013. But then Cyborg being for Cyborg. Cyborg, yeah, yes. Cyborg then beat another woman half to death. Um, and then she pinged for Cyborg. <laughs> this and, is a thing. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be a thing, man. Yep. She got pinged for Cyborg and was actually taken out for 12 months. During that time, Ronda Rousey hit her heyday. So Cyborg couldn't be the next face, weird looking face of, of women's MMA, even though she seems like a really nice person. Um, and that's when Ronda Rousey really started to take over. And then obviously the rest is history. Um, she, she was the first, she was the last strike force women's champion and the first, um, UFC women's champion. Interestingly enough, one last thing, Gina Carano actually fought at 140 pounds. Mm-hmm. There was no 115, no 125, mm-hmm. no 135. They fought at 140, which doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, but yeah, so that's a, a very brief history of women's MMA. Um, you can definitely get more information on that um, on SureDog. Um, that's where we I got a lot of my information from. Um, the other thing that was really good so the first ones that came in were 135, um, and then they had the tough 20, which was 115, and I thought it was 125, the straw weights, um, that I was actually incorrect. So um, tough 20 was to actually sign the new straw weight women's champion, and at that time it was actually Carla Esparza that was the champion in Invicta who was in the house. And that was the first time that they actually got paid per fight in the, the tough house. They got $8,000 per fight, and Carla Esparza actually got $10,000 per fight while in the Tough House. Oh, man, I thought she was i thought she was going to beat Joanna. And when she came out of that, she did not. No, and Joanna wasn't even on there. Paige Van Zandt was supposed to be on there, but she was under 21. And because there was so mm. much alcohol in the house, they weren't going to do it. So, crossover, I've been talking for a while. What well, are your thoughts on, on women's MMA? So, just in general, again, why I kind of thought it was interesting is... <sighs> It's the only, like, you can't do March Madness, the Women's March Madness, right along the side men's, just because it doesn't sell. What is it different about combat sports as opposed to, like, traditional uh, team sports and and things like that? Because it's weird. Tennis is the same, so it's not like, and that might be because of the the Williams sisters and Maria Sharapova and Anna Kornikova. Like, they're very good crossover stars, but... um, I don't know. Why do you think it's different where women can headline a UFC card or for a while boxing has been able to also have like headline cards by women and things like that, but there's not the same crossover. (laughs) You're making a point for us, Jordan. Yep. (laughs) Sexualization of women's MMA. Well, just in general. Yeah. Of women. Yeah. You you know, well, just in general, like (laughs) it's, it's, it's sexualized anyways. Wait, Women or women's MMA? No, MMA. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess, yeah, men and women. How many times have you yelled north-south, more north-south? <laughs> Plenty of times. Only when it was men, though. I've yelled both. <laughs> There's one thing I love. It's north-south. I don't care if it's two kangaroos. You've got to see more north-south. <laughs> Going off what you just said, though, um, I think a big name. I mean, WNBA had the what? Lisa Lisa Lobo? Lisa Lampanelli. Lisa Lampanelli. <laughs> Oh, I have no. no idea. They had no the one the one girl in WNBA I don't know. I, I ever, don't know. that ever. Jumped. I know. I know who you're Lisa talking Leslie. about. Lisa I, Leslie. Lisa okay. Leslie. That's who it was. But they, they, that was their big that was their big selling point. But the fact is, is there was never anyone that everyone could could rally around like the or Sharapova who who was really good or the uh, oh, what are the sisters' names? Serena and Venus Williams. Yes. There was never anyone that they could all rally around to really get behind as a as a female athlete. Um, Gina Carano was really big, but I think for the wrong reasons. And everyone knew that she probably was a good fighter, but wasn't that good of a fighter. Ronda or Rousey, the wrong reasons, because she's... Because she's absolutely gorgeous. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think that they really, I think they just like. I don't think that's a wrong her. reason to be famous. Well, there's or plenty of like, people that are that are famous just because of how attractive they are. I yeah, mean, I mean, that's how why we're going to be famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I the mean, diastemas they had their brief <laughs> two-year run, they're over. American Outfitter had it, models with it, it's done, though. <laughs> so, I mean, it is what it is um, to that effect. I, I think what it is is that there's an actual skill that is presented in women's MMA, and when they fight, it can be seen. The WNBA looks amateurish, as sad as that sounds. Women's MMA stopped looking amateurish, and they actually look like professional athletes. And being attractive, a lot of them, that doesn't hurt that. My whole thing is is what we wanted to get into is like just being on Twitter and stuff like that. Like this isn't a this isn't a crusade to to equalize women or anything like that. But like just seeing like the sexualized posts and things like that, or uh, you told me about Karen Bryant that she gets sexually harassed all the time, um, and uh, like that's that's the kind of stuff that we want to stop. And I think that we could do better as far as MMA, but as far as combat sports go, I think that it's, it's a pretty awesome one. It empowers women just training. I've, I've trained and sparred against women. Um, and it's empowering for all people. And especially where, like I've, I've talked to women where they've had to do checks on guys that they've been dating because he could be a killer. Like I've never thought about that. Like, Hey, I should do a background check um, on the girl that I'm never crossed my mind and it never will. Cause I just don't care, but women have to, cause they have to learn to defend themselves. MMA can be empowering for that reason now. Um, and I don't know if it's, it's, I don't know if other sports are empowering in the same way. And they might be, I, I can't say that cause I haven't trained basketball or anything else with other sports. And I don't know where I was going with that. I had a very clear point and now it's gone. Well, it just reminds me of hope solo beating her boyfriend up. She's just a soccer player. What do you mean? Just she, <laughs> yeah, good point. She as long as can be, she is an amazing goalkeeper. Yeah, if they want to be more serious, why not do male and female mixed? Jordan Jordan's asking why men and, fe- and women don't fight. The thing is, is size, first and foremost. Um, brute strength is the second. Um, third is the fact that it's just not natural is the third. Um, and it's not something that should ever be, ever be pushed, I think. Speed. Speed is the second. I mean... And so, like, as far as, like, would Ronda Rousey have beat up Floyd Mayweather May, Floyd Mayweather no she wouldn't have and it was silly when people were talking about and I might have said that at one time I don't know I can't remember if she threw him and put him in an arm bar why not uh, Not she wouldn't have beat him up she would have thrown him down and put him in an arm bar I mean uh, I don't know I think he might have been too quick then I, why, did, why didn't she Holly Holm yeah, well, why didn't she against Holly Holmes Holly Holm it's a solid point she tried <laughs> yeah well, she did try real hard there's also a different base there's also a different base and sprawling and different things that you don't have to worry about in boxing. That the you thing is, later is on. I mean, you're never going to see a woman fight a man in, in mixed martial arts because, one, there's already too many problems in all of sports with uh, with domestic violence. And having that happen <laughs> is never going to be a thing. You're uh-huh. never going to see that crossover. And, and additionally, it's not so much we're not talking about has women's MMA made it in the sense that they can compete with the men. That's not the topic of discussion. I appreciate in MMA that women's MMA is what it is, but it's not hindered at all because they're women's in any way, shape or form. I like women just as easily could headline a card. Like Ronda Rousey is the second biggest mm-hmm. sell in the sport because of her personality and who she is. And nobody has put her under like, has tried to like push it away. Like they've they, in in the UFC, they have put her in the forefront. She's on the cover of UFC 2. They do everything that they can to get her in the front. Um, but at the same time, the UFC is set up for... And this is where I think maybe combat sports are different than other sports. Your personality comes through individually more than anywhere else. So if you are going to be a draw, you have that platform where you wouldn't in the WNBA or... I don't even know what other professional leagues there are. Tennis. Soccer. Soccer. Well, tennis, too, though, because they're individuals. You're an individual and you, you mm-hmm. can do your interviews and you can speak out for yourself. Um, I think it was probably the best thing for the sport for Ronda Rousey to lose. For women's MMA. For the draw. Because now people want to see Ronda Rousey was dominant. Ronda Rousey was beating everyone. Who beat Ronda Rousey? And who's going to beat her? Um, I think that only I think that only lasts for a couple months, maybe six months to a year, and then you need another strong, dominant contender. 
Uh-huh. I disagree. I think that because who's going to fight next? We're going to have we're going to have Misha and Ronda. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see Kat Zingano versus Holly Holm. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, and then you depending on how that fight shakes out, you set up the winner of that those two fights again. I mean, I th- maybe you're right. A year's about right. I think it could play itself out over the next little bit. And if they keep beating each other, we'll see how long it goes for until one of them decides to retire. I definitely think those four would. I mean, that rounds out the next year. I mean, it's it would be very easy to have those four fight each other, split, and then whoever you know holds the belt for whatever amount of time. Polly Holm fights Ronda Rousey again. That's awesome. If she loses, she fights Misha. I mean, you could actually set those four up. It's almost like the heavyweight division. You could set those four up and let them fight like Cain Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos, and and uh, you know Fabricio Verdum and, and whatever else. You just and and Stipe. The only difference is they show up. Yeah, the only difference and is they the can women fight actually more than show up. One round. Yeah, when's the last time a, a female fighter actually pulled out of a fight? I think there's been one, and it wasn't in the UFC, and it's because she got pregnant. I don't even know why she had to pull out of the fight, but. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. Uh, but no, I mean, the future. Jordan said really quick women will always be looked at sexually first, no matter what they're doing. It is what it is. And that's true. But I mean, I. I that doesn't mean that it's necessarily right. And I don't have a problem with women being looked at sexually, just like I don't have a problem with men being looked at sexually. But they also have to be respected for what they bring to the table apart from that. If they're not necessarily the most attractive, that doesn't mean that you can't give them a contract. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, what were you going to say? No, keep going. Yeah, you, you well, should, I was just yeah. going to say, um, I, I, as far as personality goes and things like that, Holly Holm is the most interesting woman, a female fighter to me. Um, and I really like her as an individual. If you didn't sign her because she's not as attractive as ex UFC fighter, I think that's stupid. Just because it would be the exact same thing if you did the, the same think, thing to men. I think you mean ex ex UFC fighter. Uh, Two X's is a female X Y. Oh, hello. Yeah. And um, <laughs> but uh, no. At the same time, though, additionally, it would be wrong if you did that for men because it doesn't legitimize the sport. That doesn't mean that you can't bring somebody on because they're attractive though even if they end up losing out that goes the same for like cm punk like you can bring him on like what for what he brings to the promotion you can bring Paige van zandt on she might lose every fight but she's a crossover star that's doing dancing with the stars now she brings crossover to the so one you can't bring women in just because they're attractive additionally can't bring men that way you also can't um you can't exclude them because they're attractive Mm -hmm. and you have to have an open mind when it comes to promotional type of sports like that one of the, what I was going to mention, um, and one of the things I really like about the UFC, and, and Dana White in this case, is when, um, and I'm not going to mention names because I can't remember, and we were supposed to look this up before, but one of the fighters actually came out as openly as a lesbian, um, and I remember Dana White was asked about it, and he was like, what does it matter? Like, it doesn't affect anything, not her as a person, not her fighting style, not who she's fighting. Like, Isn't it Liz Carmouche? I believe it's Liz Carmouche. Sarah McMahon. It could be that one, too. Fair man. I'm not absolutely sure. This is a conversation we had. We named those two names, and we're like, oh, we should probably look this up before. Um, But it is one of the other sports as well that is empowering women. And a lot of uh, women actually, you know, just like soccer, women's soccer, where they can come out and say, I am a homosexual, and this is something that I do, and this is my career, and it doesn't matter. And for the UFC as an organization to come out and be like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Obviously, we have no openly homosexual male athletes in the UFC. Um, I don't uh, – Nick Ring seemed like he may or may not have been, um, but that's all speculation. But at the same time, it wouldn't matter. I, I truly don't think it would matter if any UFC fighter came out as, as homosexual. It was and, Liz Carmouche, by the way. Yeah. And then she fought Jessica Andrade, which was the first like openly, um, openly gay uh, combat sport or – fight openly gay fight ever and uh they made history it says ufc to make history with two openly lesbian fighters set to face off in seattle and that was like 2013 yeah i mean it's it's one of those things for as as much as the ufc is behind on certain things like actually paying their fighters they are ahead on a lot of other things such as you know giving people a second chance as well as you know um innocent until proven guilty and certain other aspects of things that that society sometimes isn't necessarily on board with that I, you know, I get behind them with. Um, 
future of the women's division, what do you think happens? Obviously, you know, when do you think that they actually start? How much time do you think they need to actually be at the same competitive level as the men? Not obviously, as we discussed, to fight the men, but like at a competitive level where you see them and you, you can't tell that they're not at the same physicality as the men. You mean like, well, I would take that more as like a deep division where you can have like, you're I, constantly I'm, having like a revolving door of. But I'm, I'm talking techni- technicality and training rather than like competitive as in a revolving door of fighters. Because when you watch women fight, they're not as fast and they're not as technical as the men. Uh, women's sports are always going to be different than men's. So, I mean, it's like when women, they say that in basketball, women, it's a different sport because it's, it's more about the technique of shooting and stuff like that. They're not driving. It's not as powerful. Like they're, they're just not driving the same way that men do. So as far as like comparing it to men in that way, that's why I would say you can't really, because it's always going to be different. Um, but as far as like how long until I think that the women could be buoyed up and it, they could almost be like self-reliant where they could like all the women could headline a card and all the fights are compelling. I think they're ahead of the mark and they'll be there a lot quicker than it took the men to. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, they started, men started what, 1993 and it's taken them this long to get to where they are. Mm-hmm. I think the women, will, they'll beat them by a decade. Oh, I don't know if they'll ever have that many divisions. No. And, and I, women don't, Way the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, for that. Well, you can even go lower. I mean, that's not a big deal. I mean, the, I mean, what do they have? What's the lowest atom weight now? Yeah, I believe so. It's only an Invicta, correct? 105? I believe so. So, I mean, you could go the other way, but I, I still don't know if they'll ever have the same the same weight classes. Um, but as far as what do I see for it, I see, I think that they'll, they'll be, uh, with Rhonda in the sport, there's always going to be compelling storylines. She's always going to drive it, and she's always going to be interesting. Um, the UFC's been around since 1993, Jordan, um, and mixed martial arts has been around for a little bit longer than that, pride fighting and stuff like that. But um, it, when she steps away, I think that we're going to probably go through a transition where women's sports drops off dramatically, or women's MMA does, but then it'll come back up. There'll be another sport. There'll be another star. What do you think happens with this season of Tough with both men and women in the house? Do you think they're trying to set it up for... Yes, I already know the question. I already know the answer. 100%. It's TV. You have to. Why do you think they give them alcohol? Yeah, and that's a solid point. I just... Obviously, the UFC knows what they're doing. I, I don't want it to turn into Big Brother UFC, um, but you're right. I mean, that that is something that could easily happen and, and something that they could try and sell. I haven't seen anything yet. I mean, it starts April 20th, and you haven't seen anything from the, in the house that shows you know men, males and females you know, pairing off. Um, but at the same time, alcohol and sexuality definitely don't go together very well. And yeah. Well, and, and isolationism. And like I, that's, yeah. That's what, I mean, MTV has been doing forever with the real world. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you make reality TV shows. It basically is the real world tough. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, like there's no problem with that. like that's what tv is if you're gonna be on tv like that's what it is like so what do you want i i would like them to take it seriously i would i would like the ufc they were getting so good at just being like these people are going to fight these are the best fighters that are potentially going to get into the ufc if you don't like it we don't care this is a great gateway for these people to actually fight each other and they were losing they were losing um a ton of ground and they were losing a lot of views and different things like that but i'm not we've talked about this all the time i'm not a big fan of of spectacle and 15 minutes of fame and hey watch this train wreck i'm not i don't like that kind of stuff the usc is where it is today because of reality tv tough yeah the the very first tough we had chris lieben pissing on koshchek's bed yep and getting drunk and trying to pick fights and just being a, a wreck. And, and then Forrest what did that Griffin set? Being a crazy. What did that set the platform up for? The whole series was interesting, um, and so then it set the stage. And this is the whole point. Like you maybe don't like it, or maybe it's it's an offhand way of doing things. But you set up everything that you can bring as much attention onto it, so that your final product that you have. Hopefully, you get enough eyes on it, and that it's up to par. That it just moves the sport into the next 
the next uh, stratosphere, whatever the hell you want to call it. So, like, for example, you had all these crazy-ass things that maybe we all necessarily don't agree with happening, and then it set the stage for Forrest Griffin versus Stefan Bonner, and then people were all of a sudden tuning into that, and it became a pivotal moment. Like, you, there's very few sports where you can say – this is where it got famous. This is where it's big. This is this is the turning point of the sport. That was the turning turning point of mixed martial arts. I agree, hundred percent. I remember watching. Well, I remember watching the first season of Tough and thinking it was awesome, and not knowing a whole bunch about the UFC at the time, but knowing it existed and being like, "Oh, this is on TV. I can actually now watch it on mm-hmm. TV rather than having to find some VHS at Blockbuster." And, and then you have to be able to find a VHS player. Uh-huh, exactly. And so, no, I mean, I agree and. I like tough for what it is. I mean, I I would watch without presenting who the fighters were and doing the backstories and all of that. If they just put the, the tough fighters in a house and had them fight, I'd be I'd be stoked on it. Sure, said Rip Blockbuster. Did you see the Did you see the Brooklyn Nine Nine, where his rich grandfather leaves him leaves him money, but it's all Blockbuster stock. No, it's like a million Blockbuster <laughs> stock, and he's like, "Yeah, so I've got it. I've got a million dollars. Is Blockbuster still worth something?" And they're like, uh, "We've got bad news for you. It's actually gone out of business." <laughs> and with that, thanks again for tuning in, you guys. We really appreciate all of our listeners. Um, talk to us on Twitter. We love having conversations. We have a lot of conversations on Twitter about a lot of different things. People ask us all kinds of different questions. Um, Question of the week, if you get this far into the podcast, what are your thoughts on women's MMA? Where do you, what do you think the future of women's MMA will be? Um, and once again, follow us on Twitter. If you're already listening to this, you probably do, at One Speed MMA. From Carson to Justin, thanks again. Love and you, bye. Bye. Thanks, George.